of Galatians chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not by man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, on all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, the Holy Spirit, who called you into grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you receive, have received, let him be accursed. For I do not persuade men or God, or, or do I seek to please men, please, please men, please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I neither receive of men, neither was I taught it by men, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals and many other in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him according to the heathen, among the heathen, immediately I confer not with flesh and blood, neither uh, 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 went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia, and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went into Jerusalem to see Peter, and abode with him fifteen days. 
And other, but other of the apostles I saw, saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I do not lie. Afterwards I came into the region of Syria, in Sicilia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they had heard only that he which persecutes in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorify God in me. God bless the reading of his scriptures. So the question really to begin uh, this study, who are the Galatians? Uh, they were residents of a large area that we call today Turkey. In Acts 13 and 14, Paul visited these areas, uh, Antioch, Iconian, Lystra, and Derby. Remember, in Derby and Lystra, he uh, brought into ministry a young man called Timothy. You remember Acts 16, 6, and uh, uh, the second missionary journey, along with Timothy and Luke, Paul tried to enter into Bethania, but the Holy Spirit prevented him from doing that. In the regions, and it says then, and after visiting the regions of Galatia, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit closed the door. I want to put a theme to this Bible study this morning because I want you to understand the heart of Paul. Uh, and I call it the heart of a fighter. The heart of a fighter. There's something about this man that respects no one except God. And he's so bold and so to the point and so specific that blesses my life. You see, when you have a call, you will make uh, uh, changes as to how to approach it. But before very soon, you realize that God leads your call instead of you trying to make decisions. And so, this, the heart of this fighter is an amazing heart. This is a man that was gifted and educated and spoke several languages. Uh, very, very uh, eloquent in rhetoric. Uh, the intensity of his rhetoric was, is so overwhelming. Uh, especially when you read the book of Romans. And so, after a brief salutation, I, Paul... An apostle, not by man, not by, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. He goes directly to the point, who gave himself for our sins. Grace of God be upon you in the glory forever and ever. And he simply, after this salutation, in brief salutation, in a sweet manner, he begins to change, to speak right into your face. So you know the heart of this man. Paul, this apostle, is beating very heavily. You see, when you have a call of God, you remain until God uh, calls you to do something else. The call is specific. It's clearly. I never heard of anyone who has a call of God and God changes His direction to do something totally, totally, completely different. It's very rare. Because the call 
to serve God in that position, it's a lifetime. You don't see Paul uh, in this book of Galatians uh, moving to work with the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem instead of the missionary journeys. You don't see Paul uh, saying to himself, I had enough travel, and so now I'm going to just sell souvenirs in tents uh, in Jerusalem and make a living for myself. The call and the, and the, the direction of the call and the specificity of the call makes you a slave forever. Now, why Paul write this letter? What is the reason why he wrote this letter? You see, the Jewish Christians, Christ, Jews that received Christ, began to teach after Paul's departure from these churches in Galatia uh, that repentance and faith are not necessary to receive God's favor. They added to it something else. They, they simply added another, another requirement. And the requirement was that they must be circumcised. So, when Paul heard that the, the, the cross is being minimized by then, he began to argue. Now, you probably want to, to give Paul a, a, a little attention here and understand he did circumcise Timothy. And perhaps that raises a question. Why did he do that? And as you study uh, Acts 16, the second missionary journey, when he met St- Timothy, that the reason why was totally related to the, the, the ability of giving him more freedom, Timothy, more freedom to uh, meet uh, 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 the Gentiles and to minister to them. It wasn't a question of, of respecting the law. So, if you go to Acts 15, verse 1, uh, here's what they're saying. A certain man which came down from Judea thought that the heathen, thought that the heathen and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, the intensity that Paul approaches this is overwhelming because it is actually minimizing the cross. Meaning that the Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary alone is enough to bring salvation and forgiveness of sins. You don't have to add an element of the law. But the way Paul responded to this, it's got to be one of the most historical things in the New Testament. Probably written 49 years after, after the birth of Jesus. That's when the brother met in Jerusalem and referred to the council. So about year 60, Paul wrote the book of Romans and discussed the issue a little, a little more. Now why do I then give attention to uh, Paul uh, the way I'm referring to? Because the work in this letter is basically more than a statement of Paul to the church. It is, it is a statement that in the year 1517, a monk called Martin Luther read the letter to the Galatians. He based 
the Protestant Reformation on it. As a matter of fact, Galatians is by by uh, Luther uh, called uh, Luther's book. Galatians is Luther's book. It is also called the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. So it's a very important book. It is the source and the foundation of the Reformation. So when you begin to understand this letter and you see the impact it had on Martin Luther, maybe you put your attention this morning into what he's saying. Because if you pay attention this morning to this Bible study, it might change your life. You see, now let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at six chapters. You know, it's six. It's a small, small book. So let's look at this from a <coughs> understanding point of view. The attacks against Paul were based on two fronts: the origin origin of his apostleship, and then where did he receive authority? Paul. Uh, so apostleship and authority. Paul claimed that he received apostolic authority as the the original disciples of Jesus. uh, uh, He he felt like his uh, confrontation with Jesus in the road of Damascus as the Lord spoke to him was enough to give him apostleship. Because, and, and of course, where did he receive authority. He saw Jesus appear to him personally. And he received the authority as Jesus questioned him. It was What was Paul defending here? He's defending redemption is 100% the work of God in Jesus Christ. Redemption of souls is 100% the work of God. There's no addition to it. There's no anything that you can add to it from the law or from the culture or from society or from anyone who wrote another book. It's 100% the work of God in Jesus Christ. So, He is the one who died for our sins. Now, I want to read some scriptures because, you see, you might be someone that is listening to me today that is really having a hard time and having the assurance of salvation. I know that I know that I know in my heart that He saved my soul. He filled me with the Holy Spirit. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says, For I delivered unto you first of all that that for that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. So, why then Paul is so rattled? Why this man is just so involved into this letter and so secure into this letter? Because it involves the work of the cross. You see, the work of the cross is minimized today in all kinds of places in America. The question as to the validity of the cross is is being made in, in many pulpits in America today. In other words, salvation only is possible if I baptize you. 
Salvation is only possible if you come to my church and I baptize you, even though you've been baptized two or three times and changed, changed your affiliation, or perhaps you just moved from state to state. But if you come to my church, you've got to be baptized by me to receive salvation. You see, that, that, that is minimizing the work of the cross, because when someone comes into conviction, someone comes into Christ, and his life is totally changed, you shouldn't minimize or question but when you bring your personality into it, it seems that uh, you're minimizing the work of the cross. So how and why Paul is then crying so much? Why is he so up-tempo with this? Why is his rhetoric is so adamant about and against it? Well, if you look very carefully, <clears throat> he refers this to something that I haven't said. So after the salutation, he says, I marvel, I'm astonished that you so quickly deserted Him, Him who, the Holy Spirit, into another gospel. Because if the Holy Spirit is involved in your ministry, that's conviction of sin. But if you never teach that which the Holy Spirit does, you are minimizing the cross because you're trying to find another way to get them to keep on coming every Sunday. And so... To the point, there is only one gospel. But there be some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. What is the idea of perversion here? Satan denies the gospel. But he also corrupts the gospel. Corruption of the gospel, corruption in general, is to deny the message and create another message. It's a false one. So the understanding of Scripture, the understanding of theology, the teaching of theology, has created a humongous vacuum of emptiness and void in America. In other words, our seminaries are so uh, out of contact with the cross that the pastors that come out of it are, are simply detached from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, creating a false ideology is very easy. You are, you are, I mentioned to you about baptism. You only, you, uh, uh, there's a church close to me to where if you're going to be a member there, the pastor has to rebaptize you. Now verse 8 says, But though we, now this is Paul and Luke and Barnabas and Mark and Silas, a lot of those, he refers to those that travel with him. Or an angel from heaven, preach another gospel than that which we preached unto you. Let them be accursed or eternally condemned. Now, that's a very powerful statement. Very, very powerful statement. He repeats verse 8 to verse 9. Amen? He repeats it. He simply says, if you believe in another gospel, you are eternally condemned. Meaning you're going to hell. When Martin Luther put the nine five theses at the doors of All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany, the first article of that nine five that of those theses was salvation is by faith and faith alone. Justification by faith and faith alone. Meaning that it's not something that you do. 
is not something that you perform in church. It's not something that you uh, become in charge of it. Uh, Paul, Timothy says, that salvation is not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. You see, when the supernatural has to be involved into some type of uh, maneuver by the Holy Spirit, uh, we simply step out of it. Because it's, it's just not understood properly. In other words, if there is the Holy Spirit changing, renewing, strengthening. Yesterday I listened to a very bright, young, powerful preacher. And what he was saying was, when the supernatural in us take over the natural, we seem to have problems with Christians. And so, this is what Paul is saying. Because Paul's authority is being questioned by these Jewish Christians, Paul uh, 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 asserts his authority by explaining how he received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's his sin. The only approval he cares about is God's approval. That's the first thing. In other words, I'm not going to hold a word back. I'm not going to please you. I'm not going to try to make friends with you that the authority I'm speaking in and of is given to me by Jesus Christ Himself. The second thing He did, the gospel I preached to you was not a man. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught by man. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, you, you, you question here and say, how, how, what type of, how does revelation actually operate? What is the definition of revelation? What did he do to hear? And I wrote a little definition of my own. It could be better. But let me share it with you. A move of the Holy Spirit to instruct, to lead, to convert, to save. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit. When there is revelation, there are fruits. So revelation here to Paul is confirmed by his salvation in his baptism with the Holy Spirit. When Ananias put his hands on him and, and, and said, Receive your sight. And scale fell from his eyes. And Paul became the apostle totally, completely empowered by God. To move throughout the world with so much power. Right, re- writing 14 epistles of the New Testament. Remember the, the exchange in 9.5, Acts 9.5. Who are you, Lord? Paul asked. And the Lord says, I am uh, Jesus whom you persecute. What I must do. You go to the city and it will be told you what to do. Verse 15 says, Paul speaks of being chosen, separated from his mother's womb. Can the call of God be as preeminent in someone's life? Yes, it can. When I studied my own call, it was overwhelming. My baptism of the Holy Spirit was was unforgettable. I saw things that I don't want to mention. It changed my life. In other words, I've I've spent 20 years without reading a single book, fasting and praying all day, and and, and doing the work that uh, uh, was so difficult and so 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 
so uh, so deeply required of me by the Lord. Now, thank God that He took care of my family and my children. But I want you to know that I used to go for a month or two months or three months on the road preaching from church after church. It was years that I never will forget. Did God have a purpose for my life in my mother's womb? My mother had 19... My, my mother is the 19th children of, of, of this marriage uh, uh, that uh, God put together. Her father and mother, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. Can something be done from the womb? Isaiah 49, 1 says, The Lord has called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother has He made mention of my name. If you go into uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctify you. And I ordain you a prophet unto the nations. Can a baby in the womb be ordained a prophet to the nation? God did it to Jeremiah. So I think Paul is reminding people that he, he, had, a, he had a confrontation with Jesus. Now, did the apostles have that confrontation? Yes, all of them did. They were with the Lord Jesus for three and a half years. And all of them were exposed to the person of Jesus. Is there something to say that his salvation and his conversation with Jesus on the road of Damascus was enough to call and to give an apostolic call to serve God? Yes, it is. Now, I want to uh, stop for a moment and uh, just uh, discuss this. What is that propels you in seeking a call like this one. How does it happen? I know that uh, the book of Galatians is going to really overwhelm you in this next month. But the first thing that needs to happen is full surrender to the will of God. You have nothing holding you. When, When God calls you, you give yourself completely The Lord will not give you a call before you surrender finances, spiritual, psychologically, mentally. Everything you want has to come down and put on a block. And He will chop it into a thousand pieces. Listen, before my call to serve the Lord, I traveled and played guitar all over the United States. I think I've been to 50-some states. I remember leaving months on end on a van with a driver going from church to church. But I remember after my experience uh, with the Holy Spirit, I was in Athens, Georgia. When I returned from Houston, Texas, uh, Mary Lucy gave me a list of yellow telegrams, about this thick, large telegrams. And all of them were canceling the gigs that I had in small colleges in the summer to play the guitar to make a living. And I began to live by faith. That's dramatic. That is overwhelming to someone that does not understand what God is doing. So, so if you are being called of God, you have no idea what's going on. And don't ask anybody because nobody knows. It's up to God and you just have to step in and stay with it. If you want a call, after your call, 
all doors will close. And all until direction takes place. It seems to me like some of you say, I have a call, and you want a definition right away, and God is not ready to tell you nothing until He does and sees and impart upon you what He wants to do in your life. Number three, where to go, what to do, how to do it, it's all by faith. There's no way you can uh, do that without the Lord. Finally, family always will be second. I never thought I'd put my family second, but I did, and I still do. It's a call for life. It's a call for life. And when you are called for life, it never changes. Now, God bless you. I hope that we'll be able to get together this week. Uh, you're going to hear Jonathan Dunn teach on Galatians this week. You're going to hear others. Uh, and I hope that you'll be able to be blessed of the Lord abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Brilha a luz que é no do meu viver.